Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. And let me echo Steve's welcome to all of our guests and family that are in town. We've got um, Tressa's folks will be here from Florida, uh, I guess either today or coming in tomorrow, and they're unfortunately bringing the Florida weather with them. So it looks like 70 degrees on Christmas this year in Arkansas, right? But we know how that is. That's how we live. That's how we roll, right, Steve? Uh, so, uh, a great week that it was, uh, ending this last week especially, and so um, I want to tell you we were able to deliver the Glenview boxes, and so this is Whitney Patterson, she is the uh, school counselor, and she's kind of our point of contact, she's the one who actually got the pantry started there at their school, and so I uh, appreciate Larry going with me and providing a, a, a vehicle for us to carry these boxes and deliver to them, and we were also able through your generous donations to give each of the pantry families a $35 Walmart uh, gift card. And so uh, one of the things that Whitney said is they, they appreciate so much the boxes, but those gift cards, in her words, were they empower these families to go and get specific things that they need. And so they were really appreciative of that. And so thank you for your generosity uh, this year towards Glenview. And it does not go unnoticed by them, uh, for sure. So uh, I want to tell you a little uh, snippet of what's coming in a couple of weeks. So we're going to begin um, kind of opening the Bible together in, uh, in 2020. And so just kind of a, a 2020 vision into the Bible. And so uh, I want to encourage all of us to read together through this next year. And so uh, we're going to begin this uh, officially. We'll be on the, what is that, the 12th? It's the second Sunday in January. I know some of y'all, it's really going to mess you up because you've got to start on the first of something, right? But we're going to start the kind of our, our launch of this, uh, this examination, this, this diving together into the Word, uh, the second Sunday. But you can begin reading any time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to follow along in, in an app for those who, who do apps or website, uh, and it's Read Scripture. And so I'll get all this information out for you. I'm just planting a seed today. But along with our weekly readings, the sections are going to be, occasionally will be some videos that will kind of uh, uh, give you a little deeper look into that section of Scripture. And so these are very well done. Jonathan and I have used uh, a lot of this series in, in several of, of classes that we have taught in the past. And so I think you're really going to enjoy it uh, for those who will join us in this, and then we're going to be preaching on Sunday from some portion of that week's reading. It may not be exact, because we're going to get to Leviticus and things will get weird, and so, but, but some portion of that uh, we'll preach through on those Sundays, and so kind of hopefully tying all of this together and looking at the big picture of Scripture, uh, because these aren't just little pieces of manuscripts that were pulled together. This is one story. It's God's story. And so hopefully we can, we can look at that maybe in a, a kind of fresh eyes for this next year. So just planting, planting a seed of that. So we started a Christmas tradition, I don't know, about three years ago, and we'd go out to Motley's Farm out southwest Little Rock, and we cut down uh, our Christmas tree. And so we get a Christmas tree and, and bring it into the living room. We usually do that the week of Thanksgiving, you know, when the kids are out of school, uh, weather permitting. And so we're, we're kind of after Thanksgiving Christmas decorators. And so I know some of you start after Halloween, right? Christmas decorating. And a few of you are ready at Labor Day. I know how some of y'all are. I've seen your houses. So the worst part for me, though, of Christmas decorating is hauling all that stuff down from the attic. And the older I get the more I dislike it. But this year, 
My biggest surprise is that my seasonal workers were able to haul everything down for me. So I was so excited this year. Uh, I see David's nodding. He knows what that feels like, right? And so when I, when I was growing up, we couldn't have a, a live tree in the house because my sister had some pretty serious allergies. And so we had to have artificial trees and stuff like that. She couldn't tolerate a real tree. But I was looking and thinking about Christmas trees, and, and the history of Christmas trees goes back to ancient Egypt and Rome. And so when evergreens stood as symbols of, of life, over death. And so whether it was looking uh, towards agricultural renewal in the spring or whether it was a view of, of renewal in the afterlife, uh, these evergreens stood as, as, as testimonies to life. And so I think those are great memory cues. And I, I need memory cues sometimes to help me think and remember. And especially I need to remember that God is faithful even in the winter. And so spring is coming. Renewal is coming, but, but we in America, we can thank the Germans for bringing the tradition of Christmas tree uh, to, to here, candlelit Christmas trees uh, across America in the 1800s. And so most 19th century Americans found Christmas trees, they were odd. And a lot of them even chastised them as pagan as late as the 1840s. And then in 1846, the popular royals, Queen Victoria and her German Prince Albert, they were sketched in the illustrated London News standing with their family around a Christmas tree. And so this was published and, and dispersed all over the, 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 the modern world. And so unlike the previous royal family, Victoria and her family were very popular. People loved them. And so what was done in the palace immediately became fashionable. Not only in Britain, but especially in fashion-conscious East Coast America. And so for America, the Christmas tree had arrived. But here's the thing. Trees are not something new for Christians. We've had a tree at the center of our Christian worldview for 2,000 years. And so, in fact, the Gospel is all about trees. In our series, I've called this the colors of Christmas. And so we looked at blue. We, the first week, we looked at blue and how you know, blue is kind of seen as the color of sadness, the color of depression, and, and how while we acknowledge and, and, and share our own struggles, especially this time of the year, we can lean on each other. And we can lift each other up and be lifted up by a Savior who shares in our struggles. Not one who is standoffish, but one who enters into our struggles with us. And so then we looked at red and how red is, is not just the color of danger, not the color of distance, but red is the color of invitation. It's the color of love and the color of redemption. And so this morning I want to spiritualize the color green if you'll allow me to do that for a few more moments. I want to look at two trees which are planted firmly in the soil of our faith. They're evergreen as symbols of life and hope and renewal for all who believe in an eternal gardener. And so one who planted a garden in the soil of a brand new earth that he had just created. So we'll begin in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. The Lord God planted an orchard in the east, in Eden. And there He placed the man He had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow from the soil, every tree that was pleasing to look at and good for food. Now the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were in the middle of the orchard. And so everything in this garden is beautiful, it's perfect, it's good, it's pleasing. Until, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it and to maintain it. 
And then the Lord God commanded the man, You may eat fruit freely from every tree of the orchard, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. And so I wonder how we tend to read through this Scripture. You know, it seems like when we read through Scripture, a lot of times we find ourselves looking for what should I not be doing? What is God telling me not to do? But I want us to think about this a little different this morning. Listen again. He says, you may freely eat all that you want. God says you have a choice. You have a choice in this garden, Adam. And God is, God is not keeping anything from you. But, he says, don't choose this one. Don't choose this one. He says, you have a choice, but think and don't choose this one, right? You're free to make your choice, but you should not choose this one. So why did He put it there? You ever wonder that? Why did God put something there right in front of them and then tell them, don't touch it? You know when fresh cookies or cake or a pie are sitting out and cooling? You know, they're, they're sitting there on the counter, cooling off, filling the house with that aroma? Don't you eat those cookies. They're for the party. Don't you touch that pie, taking it to the neighbors. Don't eat that cake. It's not for us, right? And I have a choice. <laughs> I have a choice, right? I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. If I want to eat it, I'll eat it, right? I'll cut a piece of that cake. But there will be consequences if I do so. And in some cases, perhaps even as God told Adam, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Maybe, maybe it goes that far, right? Adam and Eve had a choice. They had a choice, but the, the, the serpent planted this idea in their minds which they allowed to take root. It says, God's holding out on you. God's holding something back from you. And when we wrestle with obedience to God's Word, Satan tries to plant that same idea in our minds today. God's holding out on you. That's why he said this. God wants the best for us. But perhaps the only way for us to realize what is best is to experience what is worst. And so I don't know what kind of fruit this was. Artists like to use an apple. I don't know. The apple's gotten a bad rap because of that, I guess. Whatever it was, it was good. Because everything in the garden was good. Everything God created was good at its inception. So the world was evergreen for a time. But who does God think He is, right? Holding out on us. And so Eve ate the forbidden fruit and then she gave it to Adam and Adam ate that fruit also. And then we know what? They began to realize that everything they had wanted was nothing that they needed. Hear that. Everything they wanted was nothing that they needed. And that's hard to discern sometimes. That's hard for us to figure out. Especially when we listen to the voice in our head that's telling us how God's holding out on us. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the cattle and all the living creatures of the field. On your belly you will crawl and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your labor pains. With pain you will give birth to children and you will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. 
But to Adam he said, Because you obeyed your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Then the ground is cursed because of you. In painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, but you will eat the grain of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. And so one of the arguments that evolutionists have for their theory of, of how things came to be is that, is that within all organic matter there is found some commonality. And so they point to that. There's evidence of a connection from the ground to the sky, literally, and through and in between all things. There's something in common. The problem with their theory is they have to make some unmanageable jumps in order to connect their dots. So Scripture tells us, that God created the heavens and the earth. God created the earth. And from the earth produced plants and produced animals, including man from the dirt and woman from the man who was made from the dirt. And so we're all connected together by God's creative process. So what humans do affects the earth which affects the creatures and the plants and the skies and the oceans and and all that live within it. So the consequences that were brought about from the sin of Adam did not just affect Adam. The ground is cursed or it's negatively altered by the sin of man. And so now where there was once only evergreen will now spring up thorns and thistles and it's going to resist productivity and it's going to be subject to infertility. And so this is a global effect. And get this, God did not curse His creation. God did not wish evil on His creation. Humans altered God's creation by our sinful choices. And so this is not God's will to to, to punish humanity, but this is a new reality because of sin. And so the world is not evil, but we give in to and we lift up evil choices so that we are changed. We're changed by those. We're disfigured from this perfect existence in Eden. And so because sin changes us, sin also affects and changes our relationship with all of creation. And so you feel this. You feel this in your back. <laughs> you feel this in your joints. You, you see this. Signing papers in the attorney's office. You witness this in rush hour traffic. It's like ice water in the face as we stand around the casket. We realize this. You feel it in the grind of life. This change that we have created through sin. And so the world is cursed because of a choice that was made under that first tree. And so this is my Father's world, as we sang a moment ago. But it's been overrun by the enemy invader. And so while you and I may be satisfied in in, in letting someone wallow around in their bad decisions, God is not satisfied in that. And so He wants His creation back. But in order to revive His creation, to reclaim what has been lost, God has to plant another tree. And so here's the deal. God must plant this tree, not in the fertile soil of Eden, but in the bloody rocks of a hill called Calvary. So we go to Matthew Chapter 27 and verse 45, it says, Now from noon until three, darkness came over all the land. And about three o'clock, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, 
Lamasabachthani, and that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And just then, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split apart. And the tombs were opened and the bodies of many saints who had died were raised. They came out of the tombs after His resurrection and they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And now when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were extremely terrified and they said, Truly, this was God's Son. And so the image is like one of those pictures that maybe you saw where this, this tiny blade of grass it pokes through and it grows up through a small crack in the pavement, right? You've seen this walking along or see this in the parking lot. We have paved over this beautiful creation with the hardened reality of sin. And God breaks through to show us that even in the blackness of death, the God of creation can bring life. And that the, the, really, the desolation of destructive sin is just a shell. It's just a shell. It's like you know commercial wrap on an on a, a advertising wrap on a vehicle. It's just this thin covering uh, hiding what's underneath it. And so God is going to give us a glimpse of what's underneath because what's underneath is still evergreen. And so now after the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And suddenly there was a severe earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were shaken and became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For He has been raised, just as He said. Come and see the place where He was lying. And then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has been raised from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. And you will see Him there. Listen, I have told you. And so they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell His disciples. But Jesus met them saying, Greetings. And they came to Him. They held on to His feet and they worshipped Him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they will see me there. And so when we think about the birth of Jesus, we think about Emmanuel, God with us. And we need to remember that. And we need to remember that God is not just with us, but God's doing something through us, for us. See, God is renewing His creation. The one that we've tried to destroy since Eden. But we wouldn't say that. I mean, that's kind of... not trying to destroy His creation, right? Well, I would say we've probably got a pretty stuffed closet full of advertising wrap. And that while we might not admit that we're trying to destroy God's creation, we certainly have to admit that we wrap it in whatever suits our purposes, whatever suits our needs for the day. We wrap it in greed. We wrap it in lust. We wrap it in addiction. We wrap it in sorrow. We wrap it in hate. We wrap it in lies and betrayal. 
And we don't always wrap our lives in things that are inherently bad. I mean, there are a lot of good things that we can allow to consume us so that what we were meant to be, what we were created to be, is hidden behind what we're trying to be. And so you can find a lot of advice on Pinterest on how to make an artificial tree look real. And some of y'all do a great job of that stuff too, right? They will show you how to spray an old, worn-out tree with color so that it looks new and vibrant again. But here's the deal. That spray wears off and that color fades, right? Jesus died. And He was raised again to remove the facade that's applied by Satan and to reveal God's evergreen creation once again. And so the Apostle John received a vision from the Lord revealing what the last chapter of God's eternal plan looks like. And so not, not in that it has an end, the last chapter in that it ends somewhere, but, but last in that this has been God's plan, this is His, His goal, His objective from the beginning. God's purpose from the beginning when He planted that tree of life in the garden. And that is to live in uninhibited relationship with His creation for all eternity. And so while our actions did not kill God's tree of life, the curse that was brought because of that caused that tree to be removed from our presence. God had to remove that. But through and by Jesus, access to this evergreen is restored for all who would answer God's invitation. His invitation to choose Him and to, to choose His way and to choose His will. So I want you to listen as John describes his vision. This is Revelation chapter 22. And so this is God's vision in which God validates for us what He's been hinting at since Genesis chapter 3 when all of this was unraveled by us. And so then the angel showed John the river of the water of life, water as clear as crystal, pouring out from the throne of God and the Lamb, flowing down the middle of the city's main street. And on each side of the river is the tree of life, producing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month of the year. Its leaves are for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, his servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more, and they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. So John says God's plan is to bring us back to Eden, but even better. Back to the relationship we had at the beginning, but even better. It's not some spray paint over a dead old tree. There's no more curse, no more sin, no more effects of a dying world. This is all things made new. All things made whole again. All things evergreen. And a heart of repentance is fertile soil. And that's where it has to start. To repent of our sins so that God can plant His hope of eternal life once again in our hearts. So this morning, what, what are you wrapping your life in? What facade are you keeping up just because of the struggle that you don't want to face? It's between the flesh and the Spirit. The struggle that Jesus Christ has already conquered. He's already beaten. He's already won. 
And yet, we still have to get to the end of the battle. We've still got to walk across the battlefield. But the victory is ours in Jesus Christ if we will claim it. So this morning, Jesus calls each of us to repent of our sins, to seek His forgiveness, and then to receive it. And this morning, if God is is calling you to, to answer His invitation to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to, to confess His name as the Son of God, the Savior, the Lord of your life, to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, raised up, planted in death, raised up in new life, evergreen, to live eternally with Him. And this morning, will you answer that call? We're going to stand now and sing a song of encouragement. If we can help you in any way, encourage you in any way, pray for you in any way, will you come as we stand and sing? Have thine